Welcome to Edgemont Bible Church in Fairview Heights, Illinois, where our mission is to glorify God by guiding people into a discipleship relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to today's message by our pastor, Douglas A. White. Revelation 18. We're going to be looking, starting with verse 4. We have a few things to work our way through. Matter of fact, we will be working with some of the other verses in this chapter as well. This is part five in our series on uh, the fall of Babylon. The, the, the first thing we want to look at today is the arrogant, cruel sin of Babylon. The arrogant, cruel sin of Babylon. So we start it this way. There is none righteous. You ever heard that before? There's none righteous, no, not one. That's what the Lord says. And I want you to get the picture here. There is none righteous when it comes to this statement that's made. Look what it, what it says for us in verse 3. Verse 3, we read this. <clears throat> for all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. I want you to stop with me just for a minute. Notice this. All the nations have been involved with it. She does not discriminate. She's not said, I want only the Jewish people. I want only this group or that group. She has looked every group over. Wherever she thought she could find advantage, that's what she took. So she does not discriminate. Neither does she commit to anyone, though. She's a user. She loves to grab people and, and act as if, I'm really interested in you. You're really important to me. You're, you're the number one in all the world. But she's not going to commit to you. If I can say this, Babylon is an illusion. It's a fantasy. It's a lust. It's something that you're looking for, and it happens right between these two ears. It happens right in here. She can exist in there. She exists in each one of us. She is that worldliness nature that's in each of us. She takes advantage of us, and she knows that all she has to do is seduce us just slightly. Give us a slight little thing. Now, look, if, if you have uh, trouble with garlic, if garlic is an issue to you and you are addicted to garlic, she will not tempt you with a Hershey's bar. It will be a nice, good, what is it called with garlic? Yeah, a nice clove. All she has to do is let you smell it. Do you understand that? Because she knows this, you'll take over from there. But if you're one of those who is addicted to Hershey's with almonds, <laughs> with almonds, they're healthy, okay, then all she's going to do is let you hear the rapper. Well, that's a Hershey's rapper. I know a Hershey's rapper. You're drawn to it. You understand what I'm saying? It's in you. It's already there. You've got the stuff. And she loves to capitalize with you on that. She loves to build on that lust because she knows as she builds that lust in you, you will build Babylon. As enough of you get together and decide this is what you really are lusting after, you will build Babel. You will build that tower. You will build that thing that gives you a name. And that's what this is about, kids. 
enough people got together in their lust for things to have that they built an edifice to keep it all in. If you're going to gather gold, you've got to have some place to keep it and keep it secure. If you're going to have whatever your treasure is, whatever, you're going to build an edifice to take care of it. That's what creates the city of Babylon. Everybody follow where I'm at? Babylon's not the Roman Catholic Church. I, that's exactly what the Protestant Reformers thought. As, well, as long as they were uh, uh, trying to break away from the Roman Catholic Church, they thought of the Roman Catholic Church as Babylon. She is not. Babylon has seduced the Roman Catholic Church the same way it seduced the Protestant Church. Same way it can seduce Edgemont Bible Church. Real quickly. And we could build a Babylon edifice if enough of us got together and said, this is what we lust for, this is what we want, and we would do it. And she would not discriminate. Your gender doesn't matter. Your ethnic background doesn't matter. She is not discriminating against anything. She's willing to take anybody that's got a heartbeat and give them that temptation that will ultimately build Babylon, the city. Let me go on further with you. Some of God's people have been drawn into her deception. Look at verse 4. Verse 4 says, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins and lest you receive her plagues, for her sins have reached into heaven. I'm going to stop right here, just verse 4. Some of God's people have been drawn into her deception. Now, let's share this. Not all of God's people got in into her simply because she deceived them. Some of them are in Babylon because of evangelism. There are some people who really want to get as close to the gates as hell as they possibly can, and they want to see people come to know Jesus Christ. Steve Kelly was one such person. Steve Kelly could have chosen just about any place. He was a, a well-gifted surgeon, but he could have chosen any place. But he chose Bangladesh because he knew in Bangladesh there were lost people who were Muslim, and he wanted to see them come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not a vacation place. It's not a tourist trap by any stretch of the imagination. It's hot. It's sweltering. It is a, not a, a, a sweet place to be, but that's where he wanted to be because he said, I want to be as close to the gates as hell as I can. And there he shared people. Now, he would be there, and he'd have to be called out of there. Everybody see what I'm, what I'm talking about? So some people there by evangelism, by the thoughts of res- rescuing some people, but there are some people who are there out of just plain worldliness. They're like Lot. Then they went there and said, this, this place, Sodom, is really pretty nice. Yeah, I know it's got some problems along the way, but I think we can clear those up. It's a governmental issue. You know, I think we can get it all done. But the longer they stayed there, the longer they became a part of what Sodom is. So that I wonder if you realize this. Lot's other son-in-laws and daughters died there at Sodom. When the, all that crowd of people gathered around Lot's house to beat on the door and say, bring us those men out here. We want to see those men. We want to have those men out here. His daughters and son-in-laws were in that crowd. What happened to his kids? 
I think you know the two daughters that were not yet married, when they left with him, uh, they were not exactly morally pure. You follow what I'm saying? So the Lord's going to cry out, hey, come out of her, my people, just the same way he did for Lot. He went to, to Sodom and he said, Lot, get out of here. This is a bad place, man. Get out. It's about to be judged. So he's going to call some of his people out for that reason. You, you follow the worldliness of it, and now you've been in it. All right? And thirdly, there are some people just plain deceived. They, they don't recognize the difference between worldliness and godliness. They've lived with it so long that they don't see it's a problem. They are Lot's children. Brothers and sisters, he's calling people out of Sodom, out of Babylon. He's calling us out if that's where you are. If you're there because of evangelism, then you can stay as long as you think it's safe. But sooner or later, you're going to have to get out of there because sooner or later, it's all going to be judged. Everybody follow the map? All right, let's go to letter C. Her sins are so many and so flagrant, they have been heaped up to heaven. I, I looked at, that's, that's what the literal Greek word is. It means heaped up. This is stuff that's been piled on, piled on, piled on, not, not neatly stacked. There were so many of them, they didn't fit together. There are so many different sins that they couldn't sit side by side. You know, you can split some wood and you can stack all that wood. And it, if it's split nicely, it'll make a nice little stack for you. But if you've got some of those little gnarled up branches that go every direction, has a branch shooting off this way, those things just don't stack well. Hers are heaped up. You follow where I'm at? This, this stuff doesn't stack well. There's just so much of it, there's no point stacking. You just heap it until it's, it's a huge heap. I want you to consider with me, think about the Tower of Babel. What was the Tower of Babel if it wasn't stuff just heaped up to heaven? And God judges that. Or... Remember the cup of iniquity when we talked about that? That God says every nation, every people has a cup. It's a cup of their iniquity. And it, every time an iniquity is formed, every time the twist is done, that's all added to that, that cup until the cup is full. When the cup is full, he turns that cup of iniquity back over on that people. It's now a cup of wrath. How many cultures have come and gone that heaped up stuff and then in our historical studies, say, where'd they go? What happened to them? They just vanished. The cup of wrath was poured out on them, and they are gone. You're not going to find them anymore, all right? It's heaped up to heaven, and that's the cup of iniquity. He's saying this, that her door always leads to death, okay? I just want to go back with that, that whole concept of the uh, foreign woman, the adulteress, the prostitute. Her, de- her door always leads to death. So when those things are heaped up, friend, if you're a part of that, you're always going to go to death. Let me go on further with you. She can, only be, she can only use and be used. She has no heart for commitment. So all she knows about is how to use herself and how to be used. She wants to use you, and she was going to be used. All right. Further, with her, there is no honor. You may think she's pretty. You may think that it all looks wonderful. You may think that the honors of the world that's heaped upon you for doing things that are not honorable, uh, you may think that's a wonderful thing, but it isn't. It's a false, empty thing. She is an illusion, a fantasy. With her, one will only have a handful of water. I, I like the, uh, 
And one of the Proverbs says, can a man grasp water in his hands and hold it? If you can, then you can hold Babylon. But if you know that water's going to squirt out, then you know good and well, you'll never hold Babylon. She's a handful of water to you. All right? Let's go to letter D. God's long suffering has been working graciously with those caught up in the illusory web of lust and drunken passion. Her sins have been remembered by God. Uh, the cup of iniquity is full, and he's calling it into account. Look with me at verse 5. He says, For her sins have reached to heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Follow with me on this. Because God is long-suffering, matter of fact, let's, let's do it that way. Let's go to Psalm 50. Turn your Bibles with me to Psalm 50. Put your finger right here because we'll be back to Revelation in just a little bit. Uh, let's go to Psalm 50. The Lord here is making his plea. He's letting Israel know, you know, you guys, I don't understand quite where you're at. I would gladly have done anything for you. Do you, do you get this? I, you are my prized possession. You are my, the, the one I love. You're, you're precious to me. I would have done anything for you if you'd followed me. If you'd loved me, I would have been with you. I'd have given you everything you wanted, but you didn't want it. Why? What is the matter with you? I could have done that. Now, I want you to look with him. what he says this. He, uh, he says in verse 12, If I were hungry, I would not tell you. For all the world is mine, all its fullness. I'm not expecting anything from you. I'm not asking you to give me things. I'm not needy. I don't need the stuff that you have. I have given you these things as uh, tools to use in order that you can see the, the horror of sin. Will I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Offer to God thanksgiving. Pay your vows to the Most High. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I'll deliver you, and, I'll, and you shall glorify me. Now look at what he says, verse 16. But to the wicked, God says, what right have you to declare my statutes or take my covenant in your mouth, seeing you hate instruction? So what is something I know is true about a, a wicked person? They hate instruction. Oh, wait a minute, I saw that in Proverbs too. Who else hates instruction? Fools hate instruction. So what do I know is the previous step for a wicked person? Being foolish. If you don't want to listen to instruction, may I tell you, that is a foolish step that is on its way to wickedness. That's the process. That's how it works. You start out foolish, and the more foolish decisions you make, it starts to become now wicked. In between there, you're going to do things like um, uh, making fun of. You're going to ridicule the right way. You're going to make fun of the of people doing things the right way. You're going to, uh, uh, what's the word? Uh, oh, well, I'll come to that word in a minute. You're going to make fun of people. And then it moves on to wickedness. And look at what he says here. But to the wicked, God says, what right have you to declare my statutes or take my covenant in your mouth? What right do you have to say anything about what, I, what, what my promises are? Since you don't like instruction, you hate instruction, and you cast my words behind you. So you take a look at my words, you say, I don't want to do that one, and you throw it behind you. Here's, a, here's another command he says to do, or here's something he says about I, God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, I, don't, I don't agree with that science or approve that song. So you throw that behind you. So you cast the words behind you. Okay? You hate instruction, and you cast my words behind you. When you saw a thief, you consented with him. You said, I don't know that he was really such a thief. I, I think what he did was a, probably a good thing in the long run. Uh, and you have been a partaker with adulterers. 
You give your mouth to evil, and your tongue frames deceit. You sit and speak against your brother. You slander your own mother's sons. These things you have done, and I kept silent. You know what that's called? Long-suffering. That is God giving people the opportunity to think over what they're doing and repent of it. This is long-suffering. You did these things, I kept silent. Now look what happens. You thought that I was altogether like you. Why? When When I didn't rebuke you, when I didn't come up and discipline you or burn you, you thought that I must be like you, that I didn't agree that this stuff was sin, that I didn't think it was sin. I think it's all right. If you want to do these things, it's okay to do them because of God's long-suffering. People, when God's long-suffering is looked at, it's often looked at as approval. It is not approval. It is God giving you opportunity to turn from what you're doing, turn from the disaster you're creating, and learn a new way. All right? Look on further as he goes. You thought I was altogether like you? But I will rebuke you and set them in order before your eyes. In other words, there is a day of judgment coming. What you're reading about in Babylon is that Babylon thought she was approved by God because he didn't destroy her right away. She kept on having her riches. She kept on doing things. She kept on doing sins, and they were heaping up. Long-suffering put them in a place where they were deceived by what their sins were. God wasn't approving of anything. And now God is saying to them, let's, let's go back to uh, Revelation. It's a, there's a good finish for that. If you want to come back to that sometime and read the last verse, it's really good. Um, he's now saying in verse 5, For her sins have reached to heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Now that, that means it's not that God had forgotten her iniquities before. He had let them heap up. Because listen, Fence, the wages of sin is death, Right? That, that's not always just meaning that you're going to uh, die before God. This stuff kills. How many times do we not know that, or how many times should we have known, venereal disease kills? AIDS kills. There's a lot of things that have been done that are a result of sin that killed there's a lot of things you can do. Matter of fact, you can say words. I, I saw a meme the other day from uh, uh, an Irish group that says, there's many times that a man's mouth has got his nose broken. And that's true. How many times do we, we realize, man, you can say things that can get you really hurt. You can say things that will ruin your reputation. You can say things that get you destroyed. But just because God doesn't come down and spank you every time, are you going to assume that he approves of it? That's what Babylon did. They assumed that everything's okay because God's not doing anything about it. Everything's okay. Everything's okay. It wasn't okay. Now they've heaped up. He's remembered their sins, and he's about to take, take care of that. The cup of iniquity is full, and he's calling it into account. God's long-suffering has been working graciously with those caught up in the illusory web of lust and drunken passion. Her sins have been remembered. It's not that God forgets. He doesn't. Uh, he, God remembers all the time. He just doesn't call it to mind all the time. God has not forgotten your sins. God has not remembered your sins. He's not bringing them up anymore. They are under the Lord Jesus Christ. He's not bringing them up anymore. Okay? 
So let's go on to verse 6 then. Here we read, Render to her just as she rendered to you, and repay her double according to her works. In the cup which she has mixed, mix double for her. In the measure that she glorified herself and lived luxuriously, in the same measure give her torment and sorrow. For she says in her heart, I sit as a queen, I sit as queen, uh, and am no widow, and will not see sorrow. Therefore her plagues will come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judges her. Let's pick up on letter E. He is calling for the total destruction of all that men have made visible from this spiritual seductress. When men have thought that their sins weren't going to get in the way, when men have thought that their sins were under the approval of God, they've gone ahead and built edifices for them. They built structures for them. They built things to house their pleasure, to house their sin. And because of that, God's saying, that's been remembered. And I'm calling for the complete destruction of those things. Those things were miserable. They were horrible. They were nasty things. That's what's going to be destroyed. From all that which they have sinfully pampered themselves, from all in which humans have selfishly mismanaged the stewardship that God had given over all the natural resources of the earth. I want you to consider with me this. When the children of Israel left uh, uh, Egypt... The Egyptians paid them to leave. They gave them gold and silver. They gave them all kinds of things. Can I tell you, that's the gold and silver that Israel was going to use to make the tabernacle of God. It was all going to be melt down. It was going to be turned into the tabernacle of God. Now, follow this. Egypt had taken the natural resources of God and had converted them into idolatrous pieces of junk. Now, still gold, still valuable, but they had turned it into small idols, household idols. They had turned it into medallions and things they could wear that were considered charms. That's the stuff they gave up. Just take this stuff and go. Take this stuff and go. Can I tell you, God ended the stewardship that Egypt had over the natural resources in their land because they misused their stewardship of the resources in their land. God took it from them and gave it to his own people. And his own people were now going to use that to make the tabernacle. Now, I understand they messed up before, and they took some of that very gold and turned it into a calf, too. Oh, they had capability of ruining the stewardship, okay? But get this. God is still holding you responsible for the stewardship of what he's given you. You don't own anything, kids. It belongs to him. Egypt didn't own that gold and silver and precious stones. They belonged to God. They misused the stewardship and lost it. I want us to consider that as a nation, as a community, as a neighborhood. We cannot afford to mismanage the stewardship of God's earth. This is his earth, and he holds people responsible for it. Now, uh, get the picture with me here also. We may not be tree huggers. We may not be those people that you know, we're environmentalists and we think, that's fine. But understand this, there's something the environmentalists know that maybe they didn't realize they knew. 
This is a stewardship. And everything you've got is a gift from God. It belongs to Him. You cannot afford to mismanage that for the sake of whatever you think is your pampered softness. Everybody with me on this? That's what makes Babylon, kids. The mismanagement of natural resources that given over to ungodly things. All right, let me go on further with you. <clears throat> God, let's see, he, it is that from what, he, what he's destroying is all in which humans have selfishly mismanaged the stewardship God had given over the, all the natural resources of the earth from the pleasure machines and habits created to fulfill their wanton desires. If you would, look with me back at chapter 17, verse 18 for a moment. The woman whom you saw is that great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. Look, she is, she is that city that men have made for herself, that men are ruled over by. She has misused the stewardship of, that, of all her natural resources, and that's why uh, God is destroying her. All right, let me go on letter F. Her judgment is to drink twice what she has mixed up for others to drink, twice what she gave out. All right. So let's look with me, please, at the next verse here. <clears throat> Render her just as she rendered to you, and repay her double according to her works. In the cup which she has mixed, mix double for her. So the cup that made you drunk, mix that double for her. So the very ones who did all the killing and did all the destroying are now going to be killed and destroyed. All right. Let me go on further with you. Verses 7 and 8. Listen to what they say. In the measure that she glorified herself and lived luxuriously, in the same measure give her torment and sorrow. For she says in her heart, I sit as queen and am no widow and will not see sorrow. Therefore, her plagues will come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judges. Now let's get the picture here. Let her have torment, sorrow, death, mourning, and famine in a single day since she glorified herself and lived in luxury and bragged that she was like a queen and not a widow, so she would live without sorrow. Let it be equivalent to the degree, the degree she lived in luxury. Now look here. Babylon believes that she will never have hard times. Why? Because she's always been able to use somebody to get what she wanted. She always has been able to use somebody to continue living in luxury. There's always somebody out there who's willing to listen to her uh, uh, seductions. And those somebodies, uh, once they have uh, listened to her, they'll always take care of her. But here's what he's saying. There'll be nothing left for her. Because she bragged that she would not be a widow. Now, um, granted, let me, let's, let's just think over, consider what happens to a widow in this time. Uh, the church was taking responsibility for some of the widows. But it made a special deal that said, look, here are the widows you, you really need to bring into your church roles. These are the ones that you need to take care of. Well before Social Security, well before any other thing, well before retirement incomes, this was the, the widows. Number one, they have to be taken care of by their family. So if they've got family to take care of them, then the family takes care of them. But if they are without family, if they have no one to take care of them, draw them in. That was, the, that was normal for widows in that day. When you lost your husband, you lost everything. That was your income. You may or may not get to receive the house you're living in. 
You may be kicked out of that house. It may be somebody else's property. It may be somebody else in the family who's the kinsman redeemer. He might take it for himself, and he could leave you out. It was okay for him to do that. Now, she's saying, I'm never going to be homeless. I'm never going to be kicked out. I'm always going to be taken care of because there's always somebody to take care of me. And he's saying, I want you to know I'm removing everything from her. There'll be no one to take care of her. This is Babylon is fallen is fallen. This is complete and total destruction for the Babylon that is testing us and tempting us this day, that's testing Russia this day, that's testing Ukraine this day, that's testing Iran, testing Iraq, testing everyone today. Same Babylon, same seduction, same stuff, and the same people falling for it. Without discrimination, she seduces people. Let me go another step further. He goes on to say in verse 8, Therefore, her plagues will come in one day, going to come rapidly, death and mourning and famine, and she will be utterly burned with fire. For strong is the Lord God who judges her. Let her be burned with fire. God's wanting a complete destruction out of this, not a flood, not just a tear down of some buildings that could be rebuilt. No, no, this is going to be burned completely gone, taken off the face of the earth. It is God who is judging her. He has that right and that authority. Here's when David said in his great um, uh, confession psalm, uh, Psalm 51, I think it was, David said this, against thee and thee only have I sinned. Kids, when we come to the understanding that our sin is against God, it gets a lot more serious. As long as we think it's only against somebody, we can almost justify it. Well, yeah, but they, but, but, but they, but they did this, they did that, and uh, I was only paying them back for what they did. If you can understand that your sin is always before God, then you'll understand that God alone is your judge. It's not what people's opinion is. It's not that you were able to skate by because you, there was not enough evidence to convict you at that time. No, there's always enough evidence with God. And when he says you're guilty, you're guilty. And you won't have an argument. You won't have anything you can say. Babylon will have no argument. She's guilty. And she's known it for millennia. So it's God who's judging her. He has that right and authority. But it is the ten-nation alliance that is carrying out his judgment on the city that is the visible expression of lust and desire that the kings, merchants, and people have built to honor her and satisfy themselves. That's what it said back in 17, 16, and 17. Listen to what it says. And the ten horns which you saw on, that, on the beast, these will hate the harlot, make her desolate and naked, eat her flesh, and burn her with fire. For God has put it into their hearts to fulfill his purpose, to be of one mind, to give their kingdom to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. So it won't be the angels who destroy uh, Babylon. It won't be the, uh, uh, the saints of God who destroy Babylon. It will be the very ones who lived in her. It will be them, the ten-nation alliance. Let's go on to the last one. The pitiful mourning of the kings and merchants. Here we go. Look at verse 9. The kings of the earth who committed fornication live luxuriously with her will weep and lament for her when they see the smoke of her burning, standing at a distance for fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city of Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour your judgment has come. Look, I'd like to tell you they're sad because of a person. 
They're not. They're sad because of the loss of privilege. This is a city they live in. This is the city that they're not living in the ghettos in. They're living in the palaces in. They're living high. They're living in enjoyable ways. It's gone now. All that privilege is gone. All that power is gone. Politics won't make any difference. Was it, um, forget which, which Shakespeare play, maybe Merchant of Venice. Uh, they get uh, uh, abandoned or deserted to an island. And there a guy and his servant get to abandoned to the island there. And deserted on the island, the, the guy says, man, we need to get something to eat. And he looks over there and he sees that the, the servant is building a fire, getting things going. He's getting stuff, food ready or to go and so forth. And the man says, uh, and, and the servant just goes ahead and starts eating. He says, where's mine? He said, wherever you fix it. What? You're supposed to serve me, he said. We're not back in our country anymore. We're in a new country. You figure it out. Uh, guys, that's what we're seeing here. There, there's not going to be someone to serve these kings, someone to serve these politicians. I, I wish we could go back to public servants again, don't you? I wish that concept was back again so they'd somehow get the picture. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We don't serve you. You serve us. You, you're not the one controlling us, friend. I don't, I don't know where you got that idea, but it's a wrong idea. That has nothing to do with our Constitution. You are our public servants. You are working for us. You're not figuring out new laws or ways you can steal from us. You figure it out yourself, okay? Well, let me go on further with you. You got that one for free. That, that wasn't a part of The kings are weeping and lamenting for her and for really for her loss of privilege. They cannot get close to her, due to her due to the intense heat. There's no rescuing anything from her. You can't run in there and say, Let, but my favorite gold piece is in there. My favorite what? You're not going in there, man. It's going down hot. And you can't get anything from it. Everything your past was for, sir, is gone. The king's remark at how little time it took for it to begin and get into such intensity so quickly. This was the mightiest city on earth, and yet to God it was kindling. The resources they took from the earth to build an edifice to their own glory was gone in an instant. Isn't that so true about everything we build that wasn't for the glory of God? How quickly everything goes. How quickly it's all over. How quickly with, at, at the death of a, a parent is all that they saved gone. Find young men and women arguing about it. Letter C. The merchants weep bitterly over the loss of revenue and business opportunity. They're not, they're not weeping over the loss of the people who are dying in Babylon. They're not compassionate about anything. What are they concerned about? They've lost revenue. There won't be people to buy their junk anymore. What's happening here? We've got to have that revenue. How am I going to live? How am I going to pay for things? How am I going to keep my boat afloat? How am I going to keep all? They're, they're only concerned that people are a dollar bill to them. All right? And I think I did it. Did I write that down there? Yeah. People are only money. That's all they are to them. They're representing a money offering for them. Then they begin their mournful inventory recollection. So uh, next week where we're going to look, we're going to be looking at what, uh, what they say in verse 11 and following.
The merchants of the earth will weep and mourn for her, for no one buys their merchandise anymore. And then they go into this inventory recollection, telling us what it's all about, all right? Here's what to know. Babylon is still with us. This is a future event. That, that Babylon will be built by the lusts and all the things that the people of this earth at that time want. But there have been how many Babylons already built? How many great cities have already been built that were built up just strictly for the pampering of the people who could afford to live there? Babylons are everywhere. Babylons can be Las Vegas's. Babylons can be New Orleans, New York, San Francisco, Fairview Heights. You understand what we're saying? Let me ask you, who do you believe? Who influences you? Babylon looks like it lives a long time, but get the picture. She's gone in an instant. But Christ will live forever, and so will you for having trusted in him. Who are you trusting? Father, thank you so much for the gift of life. Thank you so much for the gift of the gospel. Thank you for sharing with us what that gospel was. I know you could have left us alone and still be very justified. But, Father, you didn't. Thank you for bothering us. Thank you for interjecting yourself in our lives to teach us who you really are, what life really is, and what the salvation is all about. Father, I pray today you'll intervene, interject, that you'll uh, move in the behalf of someone here this, this morning. Help them to see who Jesus Christ is. Help them to avoid the judgment which is coming and be saved from that judgment. Thank you for it all in Christ's name. Amen. We hope God has encouraged you with today's message by Pastor White. Thank you for joining us at the Edgemont Bible Church. We'd love to have you visit us if you're ever in the area. For directions, more information, or to support the ministry of Edgemont Bible Church, please go to our website at edgemontbiblechurch.org. That's edgemontbiblechurch, all one word, dot org. You can also follow us on Facebook at Edgemont Bible Church, where the Sunday morning message is broadcast live.